Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey, and I'm joined, as always, by Russell Myers. And we've got a lot to talk about today. We've had a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the adjective to describe this cut interview for Megan's latest chat. What, what are you going for, Russell? Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. It, I mean, we're going to give you a whirlwind take of it. Yeah. And thank you very much for all the, all the messages and sort of, you know, we've been trying to keep our listeners and readers abreast of it all because there is an awful lot to dissect. So, but, you know, first of all, how are you? You well? I'm good, thank you. Not too Very bad. Good. How are you? Have you had a good week? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump straight in. I think there's a lot of uh, yeah, a lot to dis- dissect and discuss. So let's yeah, let's begin. go. Yeah, so we've got the we've obviously got the cut interview. We've also got another episode of the podcast with Mariah Carey and some interesting things coming up this week. So let's go straight in because I think we're both dying to talk about it. This cut interview. So I. Were you expecting it? I was wasn't aware it was no, coming, so no, it was gosh, a I, I it was a surprise. It, no. And I yeah, actually think surprise. I saw the reaction on Twitter before I saw before I actually had a chance to read the full thing. So I I went into it knowing that it was gonna. It's been quite controversial, not controversial. That's the wrong word. Um, oh no, I don't. You're right. I think some of it has. It's definitely divided yeah, it's, opinion. But yeah, there we go. I mean, it's been mm. so. What what I were think, your um, thoughts? What were your thoughts what were the, overall? What were the hot takes? I mean, first and foremost, I think it was um, it was a fantastically written article by Alison P. Davis for the Cut, um, a very established journalist. I, I don't know the relationship of how it came to fruition, but I do know that the Cut is sort of the. Um, um, it's a it's a, like a paid for website from um, the the New Yorker, and so I, they were they were giving the article away for free, or you could click on it sort of an, a certain number of times, and uh, and they must have got an insane amount of traffic from it. But oh, same, I've read it about a hundred times. I'm well, <laughs> I'm, so, yeah, yeah. I, and therefore I think you know that the, it's it's well worth a read. And if you are one of the people who hasn't even read it, I mean, you've definitely got to devour it. So listen, I mean, there are going to be an awful lot of people who are um, uh, upset about it. I'm sure the royal family will be. We'll come on to the to the issues over what. Um, Megan mentioned or may not have mentioned there was a bit of a rowing back from the from the comment that she said that Prince Harry had told her that he'd lost his father I mean I really think that that is very damaging to to Harry's relationship if that if that is the case I mean that's definitely how I took it to uh to, to you know yeah me too how I read it because there was an awful lot of rowing back from Team Sussex and, you know, certain journalists were being briefed things yesterday that Megan didn't necessarily mean it. She meant that she was speaking about her own father. I mean, uh, from people that I've spoken to, um, from the, the, the surrounding the surrounding area of the cut, shall we say, they were satisfied with the way it was presented. So they definitely didn't change it online. And I think that speaks volumes. So... Listen, people are asking, I mean, first of all, why has she done this interview? It's six and a half thousand words. Let's just put that into context. If you're going to read a normal article, um, which is a, um, an interview with a big celebrity, let's say two to three thousand, right? So it's already double to triple what you would normally expect. And therefore, you go really into the granular detail of 
not only the subject matter, but also what this person is like as an individual, their um, their environment, which is in this case is Megan's home life in Montecito in this beautiful mansion that they've set up this huge idyllic life away from the royal family. And really no stone has been left unturned because what do we see here? We see there is still the, the bubbling under of resentment about how Megan perceives that she was treated by the British media, perceives that she was treated by people within the monarchy. Um, the way that, that I, uh, I, and again, this is my feelings, my take from it, is how she felt that she was being constrained by the men in grey suits, by the, the, the actual hierarchy of the monarchy. And this is all something that's been heavily discussed in the past. However, the fact that we're still talking about, why are we still talking about it? Well, First and foremost, Megan has a podcast, which is doing rather well at the moment. I think I think um, I previously said when we hadn't seen the uh, the figures from the first week, it, it it wasn't doing very well. But it's number one in you know over a dozen countries, and I've just caught a little bit of the uh, of the new episode with Mariah Carey, and it was distinctly better than the first, where I thought that Megan, Megan unfortunately talked over Serena Williams and um, just talked about herself too much, but. I mean, talking about herself is something that she really enjoyed doing in this article. And, you know, personally, I, I, I did take a, a, a bit of personal umbrage with it. I think that Meghan is bemoaning the, the, the issues with the British media whilst not really understanding how it works. I mean, give you an example. She talks about... Um, you know, the UK media, Paul, how she wasn't uh, very happy with giving photographs of her children away. And, and that's totally reasonable. But she she created falsehoods by suggesting that there was, you know, a contract that she couldn't have got out of. I mean, there's always um, a relationship to be had. Look at the way that the Duchess of Cambridge has, has taken photographs and provided them not just to the, the Royal Rotor or the, the UK media pool, but to, you know, to all media who really wanted them. They've put them on their own social media. They had a real control over it. So I think that she's discussing things that don't really have any basis whatsoever in that in that sense. And then, then we come on to the issues about how they've created this life in a $14.65 million mansion, you know, saying we did everything we could to get this house. I mean, this is not someone who's, you know, saved up their first deposit as a first time buyer and they've really struggled and it's something and I'm sure they're deeply proud of where they live and why wouldn't they be? It's a beautiful place. But by just saying, you know, how it's written, I'll just read you a little bit about, we did everything we could to get this house. She leans her head back and lets the sun beam down on, into her paws and in quotes, because you walk in and go, she takes a deep inhale through her nose and breathes out her mouth, joy, and exhale and calm, it's healing, you feel free. I mean, this is even before we've come on to the Nelson Mandela quote, which is one of the most ludicrous examples of an anecdote I've ever heard in my life. Well, let's, let's, we'll come back to that, we'll come back to that one next, but let's talk a bit more about the house, because there were really, one of the other things that I thought was really interesting, they said that they didn't, they kept seeing the house pop up, but they didn't look on it because they didn't, what was it, they didn't think they could afford it, um, which <laughs> just seemed, they didn't have jobs. yeah. That was it. It was yeah. It was like when you're younger and you're window shopping. It's like I don't want to go and look at things that I can't afford. That doesn't feel good. Um, And I just thought was really, yeah. It's just odd. Okay, like let's let's. 
they, they are so detracted from reality. And I'm not hating on them, right, for doing well. I think, you know, the fact that Harry is doing a documentary about the Invictus Games, hugely laudable. Megan has got her own podcast series. It's not for me. But, you know, I'm not necessarily a target audience, but I am still really interested in it as a um, uh, as a father, as someone who should believes that society should definitely be more aware of how we treat women and young girls. And the, you know, the anecdote that Serena Williams said, and I touched upon this last week about how, you know, a certain percentage of girls will be very confident in their in their formative years. And that just diminishes as they go through school. Well, these are really interesting um, issues to be tackled. Now, nobody's nobody's disputing that. But the only the only trope they have at the moment is to just absolutely savage the royal family. And we've heard it. We understand that they that it was toxic in their eyes. We understand that they didn't get on with certain members of the family or the men in grey suits or, um, but why keep on keeping on? And the, and the issue they are doing that is for money and they have to keep on raising the bar of how badly they were treated. So they are then out on their own and they become almost pariahs. Um, and I just think it's pretty unfair. Uh, I mean, take you just back to, I know we're dancing around a little bit here, but we're sort of short for time today and I apologise, it's my fault. But, you know, the very fact that um, Megan says this this quote, and I'm going to try and get you to, to find out what I'm going on, but the quote about the, you know, Harry, Harry felt as though he had lost his father. Well, you know, anyone who would tell you uh, how the Jew, um, how the Prince of Wales feels about his sons. You know, often people say, "Well, he loves both of his sons equally." Um, but I know for a fact that Prince Charles has offered them a place to stay. He has produced an olive branch to them. He has wanted to bring them close. He has tried to make instances to see them, and yet the, I just think it's being thrown back in his face. And it seems as though Meghan has a, a, a completely unfortunate and destructive relationship with her own father for better or worse. And we've touched upon this so many times about, you know, the, um, the, the Thomas Markle issue, but it just seems particularly sad that if Harry is by his own accord or through conversations with his wife, going down that route and sort of destroying his relationship with his father, uh, because of the way he feels, especially on such a poignant anniversary of the 25th anniversary of his mother's death. Well, that is deeply sad. And I'm sure that the Prince of Wales would, and people around him would find that deeply distressing. Well, I've, I have actually found that quote. So it came about, I'd forgotten the setting of it, actually, but it came about because they were talking about the legal case against the uh, Megan's letter in the mail on Sunday. And it said, when, the, obviously the interviewer speaking, when I ask about it, Megan doesn't stay in her sadness for long. Instead, she uses it to discuss how toxic tabloid culture has torn the two families apart. Harry said to me, and this is a quote from Megan. So Harry said to me, I lost my dad in this process. It doesn't have to be the same for them as it was for me, but that's his decision. Well, I mean, I think that is as clear as day. I don't think there is any uh, dispute about what that is about. Now, I know that there's so, certain, in quotes, you know, friendly reporters or friendly press were being um, guided away from that yesterday. But it seemed as though that was one of the, the, the biggest reactions from this huge piece was how unfortunate that is that Harry feels like that. Um, 
Now, again, the cut has not changed the content of the copy on the on their website. So I think reading reading to that what you will. I mean, Megan goes on again about how they were happy to have left their, their roles behind. Um, well, we know this. You know, they're living this idyllic life, unless they're not, and unless it's a big front and they're not very happy and Harry longs to be with his father, but everything is just at odds and it just has this pendulum of emotion just swinging all over the place. And, um, you know, I'll just read you this little bit. You know, they thought it best to leave the UK and the UK press to go about, you know, how they wanted to do their business. They were willing to go basically anywhere to the Commonwealth, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, anywhere. And this is in quotes. And she says anything to just because just by existing, we were upsetting the dynamic of the hierarchy. So we go. Um, so, so sorry. Uh, so we go, OK, fine. Let's get out of here. Happy to. And then she puts her hands up in mock defeat. And I think what this the, the, the context of Megan's actions and the, the, the fact that she looks wistfully into the distance and she leans in and her eyes brighten when she's telling um, Alison Davis about her joining in, rejoining Instagram. Well, I, I think the, 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 um, the context was put that she has like a, it appears that she has a mini producer from The Bachelor talking to her inside her head. I, mean, oh, I, I thought, thought that, was that was a really was, clever way of well, describing masterful. it. It was so it's, good. You know, this, it just paints a picture of what Megan is like. And, 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 and even the, the, the final bit of the piece was saying about how she was waving away and you could sort of see the cogs turning in her brain of that. Had she said enough or had she said the right things? And this is someone who says that she doesn't read press. She doesn't read media. She doesn't care what, you know, I, 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 essentially I take from that. Don't care what people think of me. She said in her own podcast, I want people to see the real me. Well, I'm sorry. I take this away that this is anything but someone being completely real because when you're coming up with um uh you know again anecdotes about being a princess um it's it's just so so bizarre and i'll just again i'll read you this because it starts to saying even if she and harry had stepped back from their royal duties megan is still very aware that people see her as a princess in quotes, it's important to be thoughtful about it because even with the Oprah interview, I was conscious of the fact that there are little girls that I meet and they're like, oh my God, it's a real life princess. And it carries on. I just look at all of them and think you have the power within you to create a life greater than any fairy tale you've ever read. I don't mean that in terms of you could marry a prince one day. I mean, you can find love, find happiness. You can be up against um, things which you could feel like the greatest obstacle and then you can find happiness again. I mean, I think that's all very sweet and and I can totally agree with it. But I just think, the, the, you know, turning back on yourself and by saying, God, they're, they're meeting a real life princess here and I'm that person, it just falls back into the whole issue I had last week with the Serena Williams by saying, God, I, you, when you walked into the room, this big megastar, and all you wanted to, to do was to meet me. I just don't, I just don't buy that. And if you're, you're railing against the monarchy and everything it stands for, I mean, people have raised the issue of why does she call herself Duchess or Duchess Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex all the time. And now she's talking about herself as in that she's a real life princess who married a prince. I mean, 
it's it's absolutely extraordinary to be honest with you and harry made a few you know got a few mentions as well one of the things that really stood out for me was when he i can't remember the exact wording of it but they were talking about their um you know working from home setup and they've got side by side desks and he said you know oh lots of people find it really tough to you know work next to your wife and he actually said you know people in my family sometimes can't you know say it would be stressful yes. or something like that and again it just to me he said lots of people I know are members of my family. It felt mm. like that bit of that bit of family wasn't needed. He didn't need to add that detail in, but it felt like it was do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you could yeah, just no, say no, people no. I, I know the, the, covers the, everything. The concept of them very much feeling as though it is them against the world is mm. evident, right? And so um they're talking about Archie's manners. And I know something about like bringing a child up and teaching them manners. It's really, really important. And she says you know, it's one of those lessons, me- oh, it's actually, this is the, the article saying, in one of those lessons, Megan remembered something she'd learned at a young age from a friend's mum. Salt and pepper are always passed together. And then Megan goes on. She said, you never move one without the other. That's me and Harry. We're like salt and pepper. We always move together. Now, some people will find this a bit cheesy. I don't think it's that bad. I think, you know, there's a bit of a cringe fest when... Um, uh, Harry is talking about palm trees. He's, you know, Megan goes on about when they were looking around this mansion. One of the first things my husband saw when we walked around the house was those palm trees. See how they're connected at the bottom, he goes. My love, it's us. I mean, this is an absolute cheese fest, but it's fairly sweet. I think, you know, they do feel as though it is them against the world. And I don't know whether it needs to be. I think that the fallout is so dramatic now and it is being made worse with every single word on this page, with every single word that Megan utters about, you know, the fact that we've moved out the family. I've got my voice. I'm happy to just be me. You know, she, she delivers a veiled threat in all of this by saying, I can say anything. This is, this is the freedom that I have. I mean, we've we haven't even got on to Harry's book yet, and I know if this, this is yeah. if this is the bar, right? You've all you got last week. She was railing against the royal family and about you know, being free, and that was in all in the promos, getting a lot of hype. This article is simply extraordinary of the of the attacks on on the family, the British media, how they felt they were set upon. You know, I'll just clear one thing up for you about again another falsehood. Um, Are you going to talk about the know, school photos? I'm going to talk about the school photos. Good, I'm really glad. I wrote, I wrote that, made a note of that, because this is one of these things that I really worry that obviously we work for a British tabloid national newspaper yes, and that people yes. who aren't based in the UK, I really hope people don't believe this and you might do it. Yeah, sorry, I'll be quiet. Oh, there's, 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 two, there's two things here, right? Okay, so uh, again, it says earlier in our conversation about her goals for the life she's creating here, she remarked upon how if Archie were in school in the UK, she'd never be able to do school pickup or drop off without it being a raw photo call with a press pen of 40 people snapping pictures. Now in quotes, sorry, I have a problem with that. That doesn't make me obsessed with privacy. That makes me a strong and good parent protecting my child. I don't disagree with Megan's um, comments there. She's, you know, she's being a a, a responsible, uh, super passionate mother that she wants to protect her children. But that is simple fallacy that there is some big press pen, people leaping out of bushes. You know, there is a code of conduct for the British media. We do not 
photograph the children. The, the you know the royals are largely left to their own devices, even when they're on their own. Never you know really pic- pictured by British media when they're on holiday. Um, their children are um, subject to certain interests, of course they are, and there are photographs when they start their first day of term. Duchess of Cambridge has sort of cornered the market fantastically well by taking her own photographs. And this whole concept of we were set upon, we were the ones who were being attacked all the time, is simply not true. And it and it suits the narrative. And unfortunately, there are just so many instances where she hasn't even really overaged the pudding. It's it's just it's just false what she's talking about. But we also, so we did learn some nice things as well. Obviously, there were lots of things, but let's focus on some of the nice bits we learned. So we got updates on Archie and Lilibet, which was really nice. I think it sounds like the journalist got to do the school run with Megan and went and did that, you know, so heard that, you know, he, he came out of the gate and he ran out to jump to Megan and they went home and he, Archie throws himself around Harry's legs. Um, really nice, both talking about that both Lilibet and Archie have got, um, you know, Harry's ginger hair. And um, yeah, there was some really cute little updates, weren't they? And uh, yeah, so there they are cute. And they are, they paint the picture of an idyllic family life. And, you know, nobody's, nobody's not wishing that they don't have a good life. That, I mean, that simply would be ludicrous. I, 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 do, I do, do get some of the criticism that has been labelled against them for, you know, wanting to protect their children's privacy, wanting to move away, um, suggesting that the British media is obsessed with them and their children. And yet there there are are references to their children peppered across this article. Archie bringing his kids, his school classmates, fresh fruit and veg, home picked from the house, uh, descriptions of of his character and his his personality all, all throughout this. And I suppose that suits the narrative. That suits Megan's very, very, you know, homely aspect of that. She's a mum and she's really enjoying the fact that they have this place of solace in California. Um, but of course, you're going to open yourself up to criticism. But it's 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 a tricky balance, I think, in that sense with the children. Now, and we obviously have to talk about the uh, Nelson Mandela comment because that is one of the biggest talking points from it. And I think one of the things that's upset quite a few people well of course it's it's further compounded by the fact that nelson mandela's grandson has come out and said some pretty um a pretty harsh assessment of of megan's works and i think that you know this this comes i mean it's controversial because megan isn't necessarily she definitely isn't comparing herself to to nelson mandela i mean that that comparison has already been made in the finding freedom title of the of the biography but to just tell this anecdote i just think is going to open up a huge can of worms and and, and certainly this stems back to the 2019 london premiere of the lion king where um where megan and harry were meeting a south african cast member who told Megan, Megan in quotes, when you married into this family, we rejoiced in the streets the same as we did when Mandela was freed from prison. I mean, this is a man who spent 18 years in, you know, a, f- a five by six cell um, protesting for the emancipation of millions of his countrymen and women and eventually you know, rewrote history. And she married into the royal family. 
And that's not to say that that wasn't, shouldn't have been celebrated. There was celebration about it. A biracial woman, a great orator, a successful uh, woman in her own right, with a career, with something to say, with a platform to say it, that was celebrated. And it certainly, I don't think, was celebrated in the same vein as Nelson Mandela walking freedom. But, you know, even if that was said by someone, um, it's just such a strange anecdote to to release in in such a personal piece. And and I'm sorry, you are going to open yourself up to criticism. Um, And... You know, that's not the half of it. I, ju- I just think that the, 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 the issues contained within such a piece make it really difficult for us to take things on face value. I mean, she, she even splits the difference between, uh, in quotes, historical documentary and a reality docuseries. Let's not beat around the bush here. This has been spoken about for quite some time about how they've signed a huge deal with Netflix you know, up to $100 million, they're going to want some um, bang for their buck. They're following, they're now you know, following them around to, to do a sort of a, a documentary on their life. And um, I, I just think that my, my colleague, Valentine Lowe, actually, he's, he, he wrote about it in the, in the Times today about saying that, uh, you know, what she's not been able to share up until now that she says is our love story. And Valentine says, how one wonders have people managed to survive so long without it. I mean, again, this is the, this is the, the sort of the self-confidence is just effervescent that she, she thinks that this is what people want to hear. And I mean, well, there must be because there are millions of people downloading the, the podcast, but how successful that would be. You know, I, I stand here to say I am looking at this objectively. There's no, whatever people on social media might say, you know, it's just hate. The people are haters. You know, you're not happy about the way that they went about it. I'm sure that the Royal family are not happy about the way they went about leaving the firm. But I just think these constant personal attacks um, to to, to really only stand for self-service, you know, they talk about service, they're only interested in themselves at this point. And the destruction, continued destruction of relationships is really, really um, distressing. I would say that most things that Meghan and Harry have done, while we accept they're not for everyone, you know, you've openly said the podcast, you're not really the target audience that they're probably going for. And, you know, most things has been met with a a mixed reaction. You know, some people are, some have criticised it, some have loved it. But I have struggled actually to find anything particularly positive about this piece. I actually put something on our Instagram just to ask our listeners what they thought of it because I was I was hoping to maybe, you know, to bring a bit more, some other opinions and some maybe people that liked it, but not one of the comments we got back was actually positive at all. Um, and it does make me wonder if this is perhaps maybe going to be a bit of a turning point. Are they, you know, lots of people have kind of said, I really want to really want to like them, but this is just, I've really struggled with this. So I think it's really interesting and it will, um, yeah, I'll see how it goes after the, you know, with more of the podcast again, seeing a lot more of them now. Well, I will say today's one is, is, is an easier listen. It is. I, yep. It, yeah. You know, she lets the guest speak. So it's not all about her. I mean, Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it is all planned because by speaking about herself in, in, in such terms in the, in the first instance, everyone's talking about it. Massive column inches, Archwell or archetypes is all out there. Everyone's speaking about it, goes to the top of the charts. 
and then the second one's much better and so maybe people have you know we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it but listen I, I i just think it i just think um you know is there any way back for them after this uh, i don't think there was any any way back for them before this but this surely is the final nail in the coffin it, yeah, like I said, a fascinating read, and we would love to know what you, you know, what our listener thought of it. Please let us know on Instagram and on Twitter, because as I said, I think it's a, a real talking point, should we say? But the pictures were lovely. Um, I've seen also lots of people making the comparison. Obviously, the main photo she's in that black uh, kind of—is it a turtleneck or a roll neck? Yeah, I don't know. Who asked me. I mean. <laughs> Where's Sarah? <laughs> um, but you know, because there's obviously that very striking image of Diana, and I know people always make comparisons with this. But when she did that cover, she's wearing the similar jumper, um, which is lovely. But the photos were absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, a really, really good piece from the from the cut. And glad to hear you like the Mariah Carey interview a bit more. Well, I, I was again. I've just really, really, I haven't you know done a deep dive on it. So I just. Um, I just thought it was an easier listen. I will, I will have a listen, listen to it again. So we are recording a day early today, which means that we don't actually know how the family are going to mark the occasion. But tomorrow, so Wednesday of this week, is the 25th anniversary of the death of Princess Diana. And um, are we expecting them to do anything? Well, who knows? I mean, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't some form of tribute on on social media, certainly from the from the Cambridges. And um, I, I can just say, we're, we're certain that William and Harry will not jointly mark the 25th anniversary of uh, Princess Diana's death on Thursday, the 31st, and they will be choosing essentially to to pay their own respects privately. I mean, I was told that the Duke of Cambridge as of today, which is Wednesday, was not planning to mark the occasion with a public statement. Um, but of course, that could change, you know, and we were, we were treated to um, a, a personal, really personal tribute from Harry uh, last Thursday at um, the charity fundraiser for Centre Barley, which is obviously um, created it in, in his mother's legacy um, and founded in her memory. He was saying that he, you know, he sincerely wished that um, he'd had the opportunity to introduce his, his two children, Archie and Lilibet, to his mother and saying um, that he hoped to share the spirit of my mum with my family and my children who I wish could have met her. And then he went on about how he said uh, he wanted the anniversary to, you know, she will most certainly will never be forgotten. I want it to be a day filled with memories of her incredible work and the love for the way she did it. I want it to be a day to share the spirit of my mum with my family and my children who I wish could have met her. And every day I hope to do her proud. And I'm sure that is a sentiment that William would um, would absolutely echo, albeit not together side by side. But interestingly enough, that the, the boys had previously said on the 20th anniversary that that was realistically the final time that they were going to jointly um, do one of these these tributes. And um, you know, maybe, maybe we... Uh, it's just an unfortunate sort of coincidence about how fractured their relationship is um, that we've come to this this very, very important anniversary, which I'm sure will be marked around the country and, um, and indeed around the world in, in certain ways. And on next week's episode, I'm actually interviewing uh, Diana's former uh, Police Protection Officer Ken Wharf, who's going to be sharing lots of stories about his time working with Diana, William and Harry. Um, and just his, he's got some real interesting views as well about what, you know, how different things would be if Diana was still with us today. Thanks to everyone for listening this week. As always, we're on social media at Podsave on Twitter and on Instagram. And until next time. 
Pod save the queen! 